This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. In the name of Allah, most gracious, most merciful. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, all praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nourisher, cherisher, sustainer, creator, protector of one and all. وأصلي وأسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين. Complete blessings and salutations upon Nabi صلى الله عليه وسلم محمد. May the peace and blessings of Allah سبحانه وتعالى be upon him and all his companions and all those who have followed him. May we be from amongst them truly and may our offspring also be from amongst them. Amin. Honored ulama, beloved brothers and sisters and dearest listeners. The surah that we completed this evening is a very important surah that I'm sure many of us would either have memorized by this time or would have memorized at least parts of it. And that is Surah Al-Kahf. The surah is named after the cave. The cave in which several youth happened to sleep for 309 years according to the verses of the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has named the entire surah after this group of youngsters and the cave that they had slept in. And probably the underlying message is what these youth tried to achieve and why they ended up in the cave. If we take a close look at the verses of the Qur'an, we will find that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of the dua that was made by these youngsters. Now, one of the narrations, which is also a solid narration, states that these seven youngsters did not know one another prior to having arrived at the grave, sorry, at the cave. And what had happened is, each one of them was concerned about the surroundings. There was a tyrant ruler, and there were a lot of discrepancies with regards to the manner in which people were handling themselves, the fitan and the various tests of the time, the sins that were being committed and the persecution of anyone who felt otherwise or who did not engage in the sin. So each one of them made a dua which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of in the Qur'an. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا مِن لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَةً وَهَيِّئْ لَنَا مِنْ أَمْرِنَا رَشَدًا O our Rabb, grant us from you mercy and guide us or make easy for us our future and make easy for us that which lies ahead, make it very, very within your commands and within the confines of what would please you. Each one of them made this dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Grant us goodness in our affairs. That is what they said. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded the call by doing something very simple. Immediately after making mention of this dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded. Before we get to that response, these youth, the one went away from his people. He ended up in the cave. Some time later, the other one came in. Some time later, the third one came in. Each one spoke to the other. Why are you here? And every single one of them, according to one of the narrations, every single one of them said, 
I am here because of the difficult times, there is a tyrant ruler, I believe in the oneness, these people want us to worship idols and, and engage in shirk and associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and I am here because now I cannot stay with them, I need to run away with my deen, and I need to keep my deen intact, so I am here praying for a miracle. And imagine, seven of them had the same response. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then answered the call. Do you know what he said? And this is probably, according to me, the highlight of the entire surah. Just that portion of the verse, Allah says, So therefore, as a response to their dua of mercy and of guidance, we sealed their ears for many years in that cave. What does this mean? This means what we listen to at times contaminates our minds, contaminates our bodies, contaminates our thinking, contaminates our whole life. Allah says, they asked for mercy, my mercy only dictated that their ears be sealed. That's it. For many, many years, there was nothing else. So this, in a nutshell, is probably the message of the entire Surah Kahf. Watch out what you listen to. Make sure, firstly, it is not the sound of shaitan. Secondly, make sure also it is not something incorrect. Make sure that you do not listen to things and believe them without verification and authentication. Or you shall regret. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I had mercy on these youth, I sealed their ears. When they got up 309 years later, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the time had changed. There were now rulers that were just, and they came out fearing still that the rulers who, whom they had left there, because they did not know precisely how many years they were in the cave. They were fearing that probably the same rulers will be outside. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed them His mercy. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed them that He is all able and all capable. These were not anbiya, they were not messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but they were granted the miracle of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy, and Allah saved them from the environment. May Allah protect us and our offspring, and those to come up to the day of Qiyamah from the environment. For definitely today, the question I have is, we all know how terrible the situation is outside. Shouldn't we all be in a cave? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. For those who've understood what I'm saying, and in fact, let me clarify it to prevent misunderstandings. What I mean is, we should definitely divorce ourselves from the adverse environment and try to make our environment the masjid. Our environment, the good company. Our environment, those who are righteous. And inshallah, by so doing, we will be heading in the right direction. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of several other miracles that took part whilst they were in the cave. The one miracle Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the sun which rose every morning and which set every evening missed them totally. And they were sleeping in the cave with a little hole which had a little bit of light but the light did not hit their bodies. And from this later on science discovered that sunlight actually ages a person. Those who refrain and abstain from sunlight, they look much younger than those who are weather beaten and go out and work on a daily basis. That is a miracle. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept them for three centuries 
Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept them as young as they were the day they went to sleep. Amazing. That is the qudra of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I see many people are smiling. Most probably people are wondering what that... In fact, what the ingredients are to remain young. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us all fit and healthy so that we can worship Him and so that we do not transgress Him. At times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cripples us as a mercy. Because when we were healthy, we transgressed. So he says, this worshipper of mine, if he is crippled, he won't be able to transgress, and in return I'll give him Jannah. But sometimes we still curse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after he has done that to us, because we do not understand the plan of the Almighty. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the acceptance of taqdeer at all times, and may he never test us with tests that are too difficult to pass. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of the miracle of the sun. The second issue that is mentioned in the Qur'an is the fact that they slept with their eyes opened. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَتَحْسَبُهُمْ وَهُمْ وَنُقَلِّبُهُمْ ذَاتَ الْيَمِينِ وَذَاتَ الشِّمَالِ If you looked at them, you would think that they are awake, yet they were asleep. And Allah says, in their sleep, we caused them to move left and right according to the movement of the sun. We did not want the sun to touch them. So they moved automatically. In our sleep, up to this day, miracles occur without us realizing. If you are suffering to breathe in your sleep, at times automatically you will shift position without even knowing. There is no need for automatic transmission fluid and so on. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Automatically everything happens. And yet we still do not thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine if every moment we felt uncomfortable we had to wake up. That is a sickness. May Allah cure us all. Ameen. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, If you had seen these youth, they were sleeping with their eyes wide open, you would have run away. You would have been afraid of them. And from this the ulama have extracted a gem. What is the gem? The gem is the right of a person who has passed away in your presence. If someone dies in your presence, and that is not our topic tonight, but I want to just mention the one point extracted from this verse. It is the right of the person who is standing there to first close that person's eyes. At times the eyes may be open. It is our duty to take our hands and to try to close those eyes. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says it is part of the honor of Banu Adam, that when he is asleep, he sleeps with his eyes closed. When he is dead, he dies, and his eyes should be closed as well. Had we seen someone who is dead, and it happens at times, and the eyes are wide open, that scene and picture would probably not leave your mind for years to come. It would haunt you and me. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not do that to us. He says it in the Quran. Yes, it is going to haunt you. And for that reason, we must close the eyes. And remember, if the eyes don't close, don't take a piece of sellotape and now try and force them closed and so on. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Our duty is only to try. The rest is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after making mention of the story of the people of the cave, one more point before I continue to something else in the same surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of how long they stayed. And the fact that there was a dispute regarding... The number, the precise number, were they seven, were they eight, were they five, what was their number? Or was the dog the eighth? 
because there was a dog. And imagine that dog, it was just a dog in the company of youth who were dedicated to their creator. What did that dog gain in return? The minimum a dog gained by being in the right company was to be mentioned in the Quran. Subhanallah. So today with us, I'm sure we are all, all, no comparison to an animal. Inshallah, we are much better. To remain in the pious company for years, Inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would mention us by name according to a narration of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Whenever people are seated and they are remembering Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of them by name to the malaika. To say, this worshipper of mine is seated, that worshipper of mine is seated. If only we could feel that, we would be spiritually rejuvenated. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant that to us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of this verse. Allah says, they lived in the cave for 300 years and an excess of 9 years. I've mentioned this in the past, let me repeat it. The reason why the excess of 9 years is mentioned is because in 300 solar years, one would need precisely 9 extra solar years in order to arrive at or in fact, to arrive at lunar years. So, the difference between the solar and the lunar years in 300 years is 9 years. We all know that if a person has lived for 35 years, the Islamic age of that person would probably now be 36. Because roughly every 35 years, one would gain one more Islamic year, which is the lunar year. So, the previous scriptures had made mention of 300. Here, if someone looked at it and they would say, well, 300 is going according to the solar calendar. Allah says, hang on, it, it is an excess of exactly nine years. And if you are to pick up your calculators, you would probably work it out that exactly 300 years, you would get nine years. Because if it was 350 years, you would get 10 years. 35 years, one year. 350 years, 10 years, so 300 years, 9 years. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the comprehension of the miracle of the Qur'an. One more point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of the dog. Do you know that there are some of the people of the book who split into two groups solely because they had a huge debate in their religion as to the color of the dog of the people of the cave. So, some said it was light in color and some said it was dark in color. And the entire church split into two groups. And to this day, they are split into the same two groups, and in fact, many more. Each group has then subsequently split into so many. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us of doing the same. He says, فَلَا Do not dispute about them. My dear brothers and sisters and listeners, there are certain things, there is no need for us to know. What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not told us. I know of people who've come to me and they've asked me a question. For example, and this is just one question and you'll get the gist of what I'm trying to say. Is it true that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is going to be married to the wife of Fir'aun in the Akhirah? The reality is, whether he is or is not, it's got nothing to do with my iman, salah, zakah, hajj and ibadah. And it absolutely would not be authentic if I said yes or no. Nothing. So, to know that is absolutely a waste of time. Absolutely. People are asking that question and it becomes the point of interest in their lives. Roll up their sleeves and they'd say, is it true that Zulaikha would be the wife of Yusuf alayhi salatu wasalam and so on. Believe me, 
The, what we really need to understand is how is my salah in order and my zakah everything is going astray and I'm busy worried about something that I'm not going to be asked about on the day of qiyamah may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a lesson from the verse he has revealed in tonight's surah surah al-kahf where Allah says do not debate and argue about such things how many they were it doesn't make the point the point is why they were in the cave. And inshallah, we've got to that. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of, and I'm going to move very quickly through a few verses of Surah Al-Kahf. The first verse that I'm going to mention is the verse where Allah says, You, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, say the truth and utter it and convey it. Then whoever wants to believe may believe and whoever does not want to believe may not believe. And they are responsible for their reaction to the truth. Those who reacted in the correct manner, inshallah they will get rewarded. And those who reacted in the wrong manner, they will be punished. So this verse actually shows us that in Islam, we do not force people to become Muslims. We do not force people to become Muslims. وَقُلِ الْحَقُّ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ فَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيُؤْمِنُ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيَكْفُرُ You, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, utter the truth from your Rabb. Whoever then wants, shall believe. And whoever then does not want, shall not believe and face the consequences of it. So, our duty is only to convey the message. We know that even amongst our own Muslim youngsters, we cannot force them to come to the masjid at times. We cannot force them to give up smoking at times. What we've got to do is try. We make the dua. We speak to them. We address their minds. And we try to mention the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Give a balance between hope and fear. And hope that they would obviously turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ultimately it all lies in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may he guide us all and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of two men in surah al-kahf one of them being granted some gardens by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and these gardens were really very very rich in the harvest and very very rich in crop and so on and Allah says the man whom we granted a lot to was a disbeliever and the man whom we granted very little to, or almost nil to, was a believer. But the believer never ever questioned. And the disbeliever said, well, I've got so much, and I, this will never ever deplete. And I'm sure when I die, I'm going to have that which is even better than this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of this. And he looked at the mu'min, and he says, I've got more than you. I've got more than you in every way. And the believer looked at him and says, Do you know that you've disbelieved in the owner of all this grace that drops from heaven? All this crop and all this that you have, the owner of it, the one who's granted it to you, you have disbelieved in him by making these utterances. Do you know that he can actually take all this away from you overnight? And as for me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is my hope that he grants me and he makes me content. And do you know what happened? Sometime later... That is precisely what happened. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took everything away from the disbeliever. And he began to question and turn and toss. And he said, I wish and I hope, but it was too late to wish and hope. I wish and I hope that I had listened to that friend of mine who told me to thank the Lord. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really and truly make us from amongst those who are thankful. Remember, if you are rich today, make use of that wealth in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There might come a day when that wealth will go. Then what would happen? 
then it may be too late. One of the hadith says, seize the opportunity of your wealth before you become poor. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the seizure of opportunities of health before we are found very, very weak and lame at times. May Allah grant us the opportunity of ultimately seizing the opportunities of life as well before we die and it is too late. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also makes mention of towards the end of the surah, should we inform you who are the losers? This verse is a very important verse. قُلْ هَلْ نُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِالْأَخْسَرِينَ أَعْمَالًا الَّذِينَ ضَلَّ سَعْيُهُمْ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ يَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ يُحْسِنُونَ صُنْعًا Should we inform you of those who are real losers, those whom they do a lot of deeds in this dunya which are really astray and they feel that they are on the right path. And they are arrogant about it. And they justify whatever they are doing. And they feel that no, I am on the right path. And yet they are very, very far from the Qur'an, from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Those are the losers. People who think that they are it. I was about to say IT, but I think IT is connected to information technology. So we won't say that. But those who really and truly feel that they are the ones and everyone is worse than them, that feeling itself makes a person worse than others. And we should understand this. We are equal. In fact, most probably our sins are far more than those others around us. And maybe if they have sinned, who knows, Allah may have forgiven them. And Allah may not have forgiven us. There might be one deed in the deeds of a drunkard that Allah might look at. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala may just accept his tawbah. Who knows? And with us, there might be no deed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves because possibly even our salah, we were just reading it in order to show off. May Allah save us. So for this reason, we should always humble ourselves. Look at how this message repeats itself in the Qur'an in so many different places and in so many different ways. But the underlying message is one. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. Then in the next surah, which is surah Maryam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has named an entire surah after the Virgin Mary, may peace be upon her, Maryam alayha salatu wassalam. In this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commences with the issue of children. And in fact, throughout the surah, the highlight is the gift of Allah when it comes to progeny and family members. And the word used is wahaba. Wahaba is to give a gift. This is why whenever we are making dua for children, we've got to use ya wahabu, O you who gives gifts. Because children are a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If we'd like family members who are assets to us, we really and truly need to make dua, Ya Wahhabu, O you who is the granter of gifts. And listen, Zakaria alayhi salatu wasalam made a dua. He did not have male offspring. And he says, Ya Allah, Rabbi habili min ladunka tayyibah. O Allah, habli. Habl is the same word, wahhab. Oh Allah, grant me a gift of a good progeny, pious offspring. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of how he answered this old man after many, many years. Ya Zakariya, inna nubashiruka bi ghulamin ismuhu Yahya. Oh Zakariya, we are giving you good news regarding a child that you shall have 
named Yahya. Nobody has been granted that name before him. Yahya. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all children who can really be living Muslims and who can bring Islam alive in our own homes. Amin. So Allah makes mention of that child. Then Allah makes mention of the child who was born miraculously. No father. That is Isa alayhi salam. Jesus may peace be upon him. The chapter of Mary in the Quran may peace be upon her. Maryam alayhi salatu was salam. In fact, a brother asked me, why do you use the English words? The reason I'm using it is, over the airwaves, most probably we may have non-Muslims who are listening to us. If we are just to say Maryam, alayha salatu wassalam, or Isa, they may not know what we are uttering. For that reason, it is important that we use these words so that anyone and everyone could know who we are referring to. So Jesus, may peace be upon him, Isa alayhi salatu wassalam, his miraculous birth, Allah makes mention of it in the Quran, that he was born to a mother without the interference of a male. In the same way that Eve and Hawa alayha salatu wassalam, was born through a male without the interference of a female and in the same way or we, I don't want to use the word born but rather created Adam alayhi salatu wassalam the first human being was created with neither male nor female and with us all we are created through male and female so Allah has mentioned all the four categories of creation the four types of creation each of the three there is one person he's created and the last one through male and female Every single one of us, alhamdulillah, is created in that manner. We need to understand the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then in Surah Maryam, towards the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, How can people say, I have a son? How can they say that? And this is the verse where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The earth is about to explode and the sky is about to burst as well. And the mountains are about to fall prostrate because of the severity and seriousness of the statement where people are saying, I have a son. Nay, it is the greatest blasphemy. And for this reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, let me read the verse actually that I've already translated. How can the most merciful have a son? Nay, it is impossible. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in another place in the Quran, even the Christians themselves are in doubt. They are in doubt. They have no solid knowledge. If you are to speak to them, they will not be able to confirm without any doubt whatsoever that God has a son. Astaghfirullah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So Jesus, may peace be upon him, was a messenger. He was granted the Bible in its original pristine form. And that book May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the ability to read the Qur'an, to understand it and to put it into practice because the Qur'an is the only book that is not lost. The other books, unfortunately, as we know, the original form of those books are lost. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. So in Surah Maryam, also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of the other prophets. And he makes mention, for example, of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wassalam. The discussion that he had with his father. And thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَهَبْنَا لَهُ إِسْحَاقَ وَيَعْقُوبَ Even him, we granted him offspring. 
It started with Zakaria alayhi salam was granted offspring. Maryam alayhi salatu was salam granted a child through a miracle. That was Isa alayhi salam. Uh, speaking about Ibrahim alayhi salatu was salam, Allah says Ishaq, who is Isaac, may peace be upon him. And after Isaac and Ishaq alayhi salam, Yaqub, Jacob, may peace be upon him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention of, makes mention of all these. And Allah says, those are the progenies that we have chosen. Look what he says. He says, as for Moses and Musa alayhi salam, وَوَهَبْنَا لَهُ مِن رَحْمَتِنَا أَخَاهُ هَارُونَ نَبِيًّا We gave him a family member who was a strong, strong sister who helped him in a very, very huge way. Allah says that we granted him as a gift through our mercy. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives all of us through his mercy as gifts. Do we really treat our children and family members as gifts through the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Or at times, we don't even know how to speak to them. Even if we have a problem, which is quite normal, the loser is the one who does not go up and solve it. That is the person really who is foolish. But the one who is intelligent will understand that he must solve his problems, especially when it comes to family relations. What are the ahadith? Rasulullah makes mention in many, many ahadith of maintaining family relations and the importance of it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us strong. Regarding Ismail alayhi salatu wasalam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention that he too is from the progeny of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. And he was very truthful. So much so that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam was granted to Ismail alayhi salatu wasalam's offspring. And he is a descendant of Ismail alayhi salatu wasalam. That was the gift. And Allah says, from amongst the children of Adam, these prophets are the ones whom we have chosen and we have raised them above everyone. The question I have is, look at the difficulties every single chosen one has gone through. And today we have a small problem and we think Allah has let us down. Astaghfirullah. When it is a sign of having been chosen by Allah when you are going through difficulties. The hadith, loud and clear. It is only when Allah loves someone that He tests them with greater and greater tests so that they can have the opportunity of passing the test and earning Jannah. With us, we complain. With the Anbiya, they had more difficult problems, they never complained. They turned to Allah. This is where we have lost the path. This is where we are losing it. We are not content with what decisions Allah has granted for us in our lives. This is why one of the solid pillars of Islam is No religion teaches us to surrender to fate, good and bad, that it is all from our Creator. Islam does it in order to save us from depression, from anxiety, from different sorts of tension and so on in our minds. If your iman in taqdeer is solid, inshallah, you will always be content. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from amongst those who are content. The message I had drawn here is if the prophets of Allah who were chosen by Allah have gone through a hundred, a thousand times more than anything we've ever gone through and yet they were chosen, what about us? 
When we go through five things in our lives, we lose hope in the mercy of Allah. Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal. As I said, that is where we need to rethink our stand. And we need to reposition ourselves so that we can actually begin to walk in the right direction. Amen. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes mention also of the fact that there were people who left their salah. After these anbiya came and ordered people to read their salah, Allah says, فَخَلَفَ مِن بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ أَضَاعُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَاتَّبَعُوا الشَّهَوَاتِ فَسَوْفَ يَلْقَوْنَ They were then people who came who left their salah. And they followed their desires. These two issues, Allah says, that is what will result in them being cast into hellfire, except those who engaged in tawbah. May Allah make us from amongst those who engage in tawbah. Allah says, for those who engage in tawbah, we have prepared jannah. But for those who leave salah and follow their whims and fancies, there is a very, very dangerous future awaiting them in the dunya as well as the akhirah. For this reason, I call on myself and yourselves. Let us become regular with our salah for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The problems of the Muslim ummah on the globe will only be solved if ourselves, we turn to deen and each one of us becomes conscious of his or her own deeds, especially salah. Believe me, there are people of the book who know that the day they need to fear is the day that the Muslims have turned to the masajid in salah. The day the masajid are full for fajr and for isha and for other prayers, that is the day they need to fear. And for that reason, you know the contamination that exists in the surroundings that really is drawing our children away from Islam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us on the, on the straight path. He says in the Quran, If you are not going to put your head on the ground for me, I do not need it. Others will do it willingly. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. When we put our head on the ground, it is our benefit. It is not the benefit of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we have mention of the bridge over Jahannam, which every single person has to cross on the day of Qiyamah. Everyone has to cross it. Jahannam will have a little bridge over it, known as As-Sirat. That bridge will be hair-like. It will be a very, very thin bridge. And every single one of us has to cross it. Some may not be able to cross it because of their misdeeds, they may be cut by the sharpness of that bridge and they may drop into Jahannam. Allah says, everyone's test is that they have to pass that bridge. May Allah make it so easy for us to cross. Those who are pious, those who have been chosen by Allah will cross like lightning. Listen to what Allah says. Every single one of you will come to it. That is a promise that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made. Then Allah says, we will save those who were conscious of our existence and presence in the dunya. We will save them. And the others will drop into Jahannam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not do that to us. May we be from amongst those really and truly who can cross that and get to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He will be seated on the pond and subhanallah, he will be waiting for us, recognizing us with the shining of the organs of the body that are washed during wudu and for that reason let's make wudu correctly 
Let's take our time to make wudu. The Messenger of Allah, Muhammad, may peace be upon him, will recognize us by the shining and the nur of the places that we have been washing throughout the day when we make wudu. For that reason, let us make wudu correctly as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the intercession of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the day of Qiyamah. Thereafter, there are some very, very important lessons in Surah Taha. And inshallah, the appointment is tomorrow. We will, before we commence on the 17th chapter tomorrow, we will inshallah make mention of some of the gems that are in Surah Taha. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the life and the memory to do so. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad. Subhanallah bihamdihi subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk.